Hey y'all, I'm Bernie. I'm Nicole. And I'm Evie. And you're listening to Woke Woke Docs, a podcast about the lives of women of color in medicine and health justice. Today we are so excited to invite one of my dear friends and co-visionaries to the table, Hamida Yusufazai. Hamida is the program manager of Banti Srey, a community organization founded as a safe space for young Southeast Asian women who are engaged or at risk of sexual exploitation in Oakland, California. In this episode, Hamida tells us about her journey into and through organizing and activism and why she calls her move to Oakland from the UK her homecoming. She drops gems on self-care as daily practice and how future healthcare practitioners can avoid the quote, busyness of everyday life to honor themselves and the patients they serve. And now, an update for all of our listeners, we are now selling Woke Woke Doc stickers. For only $5, you can get a 3x3-inch sticker of our logo. It's perfect for your laptops, water bottles, guitar cases, skateboards, anything you want. Order at WokeWokeDocs.com, y'all. We can ship them to you if you're not local. Also, in other news, our co-host Bernie was named one of the 40 under 40 leaders in minority health. Special congrats to her for being the youngest ever awarded this distinction. Keep doing that critical work, Bern. And now it's time for the episode. Stay woke, y'all. We hope you enjoy. Good to be here with you all. Hey. Hey. Uh, I think we should definitely start this episode off with a check-in question as we've been doing. And what I want to know from you guys is what was healing about your weekend? Nicole, would you like to start? Yeah. So my dad came up this weekend to celebrate his birthday in San Francisco. Happy birthday, Papa. Yeah. I I was with him and my family. Um, all Saturday, and then on Sunday I was in the garden, so it was really great. I'm mean, I'm planting tomatoes, and I'm hope, hoping hoping that they'll grow. But yeah, my weekend was like just healing, really. Mm. You, Bernie? Um, I had a mix of like being a grandma, but then turning up. You know what I mean? I think like those are my healing weekends. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I am like half grandma, half like ooh, I got a party, whatever. So. My Saturdays for the past three weeks have been really healing. I like wake up, I go to the gym, I go to the downtown Berkeley Farmer's Market, and now I, now all the stalls know me, so <laughs> got my blueberries, got my spinach flatbread, and so that was really nice. Just like great to like have community here in Berkeley, and then took a nap, did some reflection, and then went out to salsa, and that was a turn up. That was really fun. Mm. That was really fun. So... The grandma, the turn up is super healing for me. <laughs> um, my healing weekend um, consisted of um, teaching someone how to ride a bike. Oh. Uh, an adult. Um, he had been trying to ride a bike um, and didn't really know the fundamentals, so was never confident and kept falling off, you know, consequently trying again and, and kept falling off. Um, and I've taught other people to ride bikes and it's really healing for me to see someone feel good and have fun about something that typically they found really, really scary or fearful. Mm-hmm. So it took three, hours, three uh, hours from him getting on the bike and us having a chat about balance uh-huh. um, to him cycling next to me on the street just for a minute, jumping on and off wow. the pavement. Um, and just feeling really happy that he felt like he'd had a good time for the first time on a bike. Mm. So that was healing. And then I went home and crashed. And so did he. <laughs> he went home and texted me and said, my body is sore all over. Aww. And I said, just jump in a little Epsom salt bath. But it felt really good to, to teach someone how to do something from start to finish. Yeah. Um, and just always thinking about how that feels um, again, coming back to basics, what does it feel like to learn something new? Um, and always remembering that um, is, is really powerful, I think, especially working with young people. Mm-hmm. So that was healing for me. That's beautiful. I feel like I need you to help me because my bike riding skills are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, a we lot need to a, be desired. We need to talk. I can barely be in <laughs> the streets. Yeah. Yeah. You, we need you, to talk. You too, Bernie. I am scared, y'all. I can I grew I've up in LA. A, we don't bike. Yeah, we don't bike in LA. We, that's not a, well. Some people, but not me. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I might have to learn from you. All right. Let's uh, do a little. Let's do a little critical mass. Um, bike caucus. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm down. laughs> Women of color bike crew. Wait, that's that would be dope. So cute. 
dope. Wait. Really yeah, fun. we'll take over the streets. We'll come out at midnight. <laughs> Wait, we'll you have little midnight. black BMXs. <laughs> little hats. I'm not playing. Outlets for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing games with this bad boy. We're not playing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess I should answer too. You should. Um, what was you think about my weekend? We actually, on Friday night, we had a social for all the different black health professionals at UCSF. And there wasn't that many people that came. We, we thought there was going to be like three of us there. And there ended up being like nine or ten. But it was really awesome because uh, there were students from the medical school, pharmacy school, dental school, nursing school. Um, and so just a whole group of us together. And I knew some of the people, but I didn't know others. But I felt like I had made some really awesome friends and just like, was able to connect with them. And it was awesome because we would talk about just like regular life stuff, but then we'd also sort of switch back into like t talk about some kind of like health stuff and then they go back and it was just awesome to be in that space and then afterwards we went to Bisap Baobab I don't know if I'm saying that properly but like the Senegalese yes. club because this is the last weekend that it was going to be popping before it closed down so we all went out afterwards and danced and it was great afro beats and the Caribbean music and that's the type of stuff that I love to dance to the most so just dance for hours with some old friends and new friends and very very healing yes good i saw it on your insta nice. story girl i oh was like gosh, okay yeah. you oh had my, a good friday i was yeah it was so good <laughs> i was like oh my those were those moments where you're like i'm very happy in the space that i'm in and mm. like the day that i've had so mm -hmm. definitely most healing part of my weekend yeah well y'all we are so excited today i'm very excited too because we have at the table at the table at the table, <laughs> at the table. <laughs> <laughs> everyone at the table yeah <laughs> Um, my dear friend, mentor, badass extraordinaire, co-conspirator, co-creator, the Hamida Yusufzai. Hey. hey. <laughs> I am, I'm especially very excited for this episode because paying attention to our description. Our bio, though. <laughs> but our bio, it says that we really hope to highlight the narratives and the lives of women of color doing badass work not only in medicine but health justice work and um uh how long have we known each other hamida um <laughs> 80 years in another right. <laughs> in the garden of ginsemity in a past life I, sometimes it feels like it though right it does feel like uh, yeah, it. it feels like yeah. a long time i think it's been something crazy like two years yeah wow two years yeah that's crazy mm -hmm. yeah so I've known Hamida for two years, and I've worked with the organization that she manages, Bontisrae in Oakland, to do a couple of programs for young women of color in Oakland and for the space. But Hamida has been such a huge teacher to me about the importance of being true to yourself, about keeping it real, um, and about constantly doing the work in ways that really live lovingly for the lives of the youth that she serves. So we're really glad to have you at this table. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Thank for you. inviting me. I'm yeah. really grateful. Yeah. And we hope this episode really also highlights, you know, the, the importance of doctors when we are really advocating for health equity. Like we need to be going outside of our ivory towers and really acknowledging and uplifting the organizations in the community that are already doing the work. Like it is our job to be in partnership and realize that our platforms, especially as doctors are powerful and we have the chance to really uplift that work. So um, yeah, we're excited that this is, this is going. Yeah, so Hamida, the first question, you have a crazy rad journey into how you've been doing this work. So can you tell us more about your journey into organizing and into activism? How has that all started for you? Um, I would say it was really the first real job I ever had um, was as a women's support officer um, in Nottingham back in the UK, which is where I'm from. Um, and I think if you're lucky enough to find out how you like to serve, um, then you just continue and you almost feel like it's uh, it's an easy, smooth journey because you just move laterally and then, you know, you get an opportunity to, to move up. So, honestly, my, my first real job um, was in a women's organization working with um, the partners of um, perpetrators of domestic violence. 
um, and their children. Um, all the way up to Bantisaray and everything in between is really being with young people um, either impacted by domestic violence or in abusive uh, adolescent relationships um, and with cultures um, such as um, the black community in Britain, the Asian community, um, in a, so working in a very culturally specific way which has been um, powerful for me as a woman of colour um, especially in, in countries like the UK where people of colour are a, min a minority. So typically um, the um, workers uh, have been um, white uh, or indigenous to that country and, and a lot of the victims and survivors seem to be of colour, which is a really awful imbalance. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been easy in many ways to move through my journey, um, which is really just to serve the community in a way uh, I feel really good at. Um, and when you're really good at something and you know where you're going with it, it's it's almost like the universe is helping you mm. get from point A, B to C to D. Mm. Um, so it's been very clear. Um, and then in between, just being able to pepper it with um, things that I'm interested in that just up uplift the work, like martial arts, mm -hmm. um, like becoming a self-defense instructor, um, and then mentoring young people as well. So it feels diverse, even though it's kind of the same career. Um, and, and here I am in, in the US, <laughs> <laughs> the belly of the beast, the beast. in many ways. Yeah, the beast. yeah, the best of things and the worst of things. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I've only been here for three years, but mm -hmm. I feel like um, I'm in the right place. And it's um, it's been so good to come here and be able to be part of your podcast and and that's because i met you bernie um and i, and I equally feel very um um grateful to have met you uh, and be impacted by your energy and and for you to be in our space um so yeah it's been a it's been a great journey it's covered mm, thousands of miles um and i'm just i'm just grateful to be able to serve in the best way that i know how Mm. I remember you in our conversation you once said that coming to Oakland was like a homecoming for you mm. can you describe that um, Oakland um, is um, very similar to my hometown Liverpool mm -hmm. um, Liverpool similar population you know 500,000 people it's a town you know Manchester's next door it's kind of like the London of the North, so big, huge, sprawling city, full of opportunity, but Liverpool itself, working class city, um, it's a port city, so a lot of migrants will come. So, you know, the oldest Chinese community, um, the Somali community, Jamaicans, um, Nigerian people, Commonwealth. Um, and similar to Oakland in its spirit, so I think when you live in a working class city, which feels less and less um, possible these days, mm. everywhere seems to feel the same with this like burgeoning middle class. I don't know if that's real. Mm -hmm. um, but coming, coming and, and living in a working class city, the spirit is always the same, which is one of a helping culture, right? Mm. So wherever I have today, I will share with you because I'll probably need to ask you for help at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and then the spirit of resistance and then subcultures, you know, so Liverpool and Oakland um, both offer very rich, complex, deep roots into punk, hip hop, um, old resistance cultures um, and not really needing to rely on sort of like white middle class students for their mm. activism mm. because mm -hmm. the activists have grown here, right? Mm. And also rooted in in love and compassion, and and that that um, sentiment really coming from understanding what it means to suffer or be in deep poverty or long term unemployment or police harassment, um, all them intersections. Um, I would compare Oakland to Liverpool in that sense, in the spirit, really. Mm -hmm. um, even though Liverpool's this tiny little city, um, I was lucky enough in the eighties as a young person to to meet. Gil Scott Heron, The Last Poets, Maya Angelou, mm. Jesse Jackson. Wow. You know, we grew up with all these people who came to Liverpool on purpose because wow. they knew Liverpool's the place to go to. It's got history, has subcultures. 
it's got the most galleries per square kilometer in the whole mm. of Europe. You know, it's built on art, but mm. people don't know this. They just see poverty and crime. Mm. Um, and I felt that when I came to Oakland, mm. knowing so much about the Black Panthers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it had to be a dope city. It had to be built on spirit and resistance. And, and it, yeah, I, I, I feel that completely. Mm -hmm. What does a usual week look like for you? Um, hopefully I get to see Benny. <laughs> <laughs> we like to but go actually, for some $10 bagels. $10 bagels with butter. bagels. Yeah, with what? butter. Yeah. Or with butter. just butter. Yeah. Just We're butter. not even in New York. At like, uh, okay, you know what? <laughs> we all make choices. <laughs> Shout out to Lucky Duck Bicycle Cafe. Lucky Lucky Duck. Lucky Lucky Duck. Um, so... Through the week, <laughs> they're actually four dollars now. They're actually two fifty. What? Yeah, two fifty three, three dollars. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they are four dollars. Yeah. Maybe they like, are. Maybe I get them for two fifty because I'm a regular. Um, I hope to see Bernie at some point through the week because we're always plotting and planning. We do plot. We do. We plot and we plan, and she's a visionary and she drops a lot of ideas, and then I might pick them up and say, "Hey, what about this one?" or you know, we collaborate um, maybe throughout the week. Um, I will do some case management. So at Bantisere, we do receive referrals from juvenile justice centers, um, multi-agency conference meetings, um, schools. Um, so we'll do some case management, um, call who we're supposed to call, maybe make some meetings at um, Family Justice Center, get in contact with some young women who need some emotional support or advocacy. Um, also, lots of admin, you know, operations, grant proposals, um, looking for grants, speaking to grant makers, um, making sure that the social media looks good. <laughs> You'll be rocking that IG. Yeah, I lie there. I lie, I lie there horizontal in bed at midnight, <laughs> <laughs> pretending I'm 14, thinking, what would a young person post? Uh, what would a young person find interesting? You know, just really trying to stay on top of mm -hmm. offering a way of life. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of Buddhism, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Some really beautiful, mm -hmm. realistic quotes around how mm -hmm. to live. Mm -hmm. um, and then just like get information about what's good mm -hmm. and then highlighting and celebrating everything we do. Mm -hmm. So we have regular photographs from programs that we run, like Source or Stray. Um, we have some bios up there of, of, of guests that we work with, mm -hmm. celebrate them from the community. Um, and then maybe a walk or two around the lake with maybe <laughs> with the staff, you know, just really trying to, Talk about self-care through action, not just words. Mm -hmm. It's become a real buzzword, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to pay lip service to these really critical parts of life, especially when you work with trauma. Mm -hmm. um, secondary, it's still vicarious, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, the the weeks are um, creative. They're they're artistic. They're meaningful. Um, they can be really busy. We make time in the in the day to turn the humidifier on or put the Himalayan lamp on and turn the lights off and ask whoever wants to come in to meditate. Come on, let's meditate for 15 minutes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the, the week is um, colorful. It's um, It can be really heavy. Um, it can be really light. Um, but mo mostly it's balanced. But it's busy. It is busy, but I try, I, I pretend that I'm not busy by saying I'm not busy. Mm. And when people say to me, oh, I can see you're busy, I say, no, I'm not. Mm. <laughs> I just that's don't, I don't want to say them words, you know? That's really powerful. Mm. I think that's really powerful because oftentimes we just get caught up in this mindset of like, I'm so busy, I don't have time for anything. I know as med students, like we're kind of like, there's always so many things on your plate, but if, but really you have the power to choose what you're putting your attention to. And what you're giving time and energy to. Absolutely. How often do you say you're busy? Do you find you just say it like it just comes out your mouth, or do you say it when you're stressed? Or I think it truly depends on if I if I really do feel busy or not. <laughs> but I feel like I've said it more recently, just because I have an exam in two weeks, and so then it was right after spring break, so everyone's trying to put in all these different activities and meetings and groups, and 
So I feel like I've been saying like, um, I'm going to be really busy this coming week because I'm going to have X, Y, and Z. But I like that sort of frame shift. They're like, I'm not busy. Like I have these things going on, but you know, I still am choosing how I want to invest my time, like you were saying, Bernie. And mm-hmm. some of the things that I consider like on my plate are, you know, doing this podcast. And like, this is something that's also like a self-care thing. So when there is that balance there, is it really, I don't know, it's not really a hindrance anymore. Mm-hmm. So I like mm-hmm. that. I'm going to start saying that. I'm not mm-hmm. busy. Mm-hmm. I got all the time in the world. What you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, it's nice. I feel like it opens up um, other possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, for example... Instead of, let's say someone, let's say someone calls up and says, um, you want to grab lunch? Instead of me saying, oh, I'm busy, I'm, I'm going to eat lunch at my desk. I'll give it a minute and think, um, where are you going? Oh, we're going to go to Laney. They've got this new, oh, oh, that sounds nice. Hmm. I'll think about it. Can I give you a shout on an hour? If mm. I get this work done, I'll give you a shout. So just the possibility of it happening mm. is actually really powerful because then that leads to bigger things, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you you ask me, Nicole, hey, Hamida, want to go to Italy? Instead of me immediately being like, are you crazy? I don't have <laughs> Italy money. No, I, I, let me think about it. That's mm. a really nice, mm-hmm. oh, Italy. Oh, okay. Let mm-hmm. me think about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like more invites come, more, mm. more people ask you, and mm. then there's actually a bigger chance of me being able to do it. Mm. Instead of just saying no. I'm busy. So mm-hmm. it's like that. I think when you work with people, mm-hmm. especially when you work with victims and survivors or at-risk youth, there's a really good chance that there's no time for anything. Mm-hmm. And I want to make time. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to feel stressed because mm-hmm. then I can't be present. So I want to continue doing what I'm doing and have lots of energy and passion. So I need to make time. And, and just by saying... I refuse to say I'm busy. I'm gonna fake it till I make it, even if I am. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's they're just good words. They're good words to say. Yeah, maybe. Okay, mm-hmm. let me think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gems. Yeah, that, that open-mindedness really can change things. Because mm-hmm. it's sort of I don't know. I definitely feel like I fall into the trap of being like, no, just that way you don't have to hear about it anymore. <laughs> but sometimes if we just like. You know what maybe mm-hmm. and you actually let yourself consider it and really ponder the possibility mm-hmm. i feel it becomes more likely like mm-hmm. like you said like i don't have italy money but then you know what it's like well what if i were to do this and that or mm-hmm. like rearrange things here and there mm-hmm. maybe you'll maybe you'll find italy money yeah right that's it we're going to italy <laughs> summer 2019 <laughs> <laughs> um, i want to ask you you mentioned about a bit about the survivors but if you would mind ex- uh, expanding a little bit more on the population you serve in Bantisre and, um, yeah, who are the people that you're interacting with on a regular basis and the work that you do there? You, you touched on it a bit, but just to expand for our, our listeners as well. Um, so Bantisre means women's, citad- women's citadel, women's church. Women's church. Um, and it is a place in Cambodia. Um, and the reason why the name exists um, was really to honor the inception of Bantisre, which was about working with the population that was being recruited and exploited and abused, which were young Cambodian girls, Mm. children under 18. Um, And the name won't change because it's a reminder uh, as to who the community is even in 2019, mm. that's still underground, that's mm. still being exploited, that suffers incredible poverty and other forms of oppression. So in 2019, the majority of at-risk young women that we work with are not Cambodian. But it's just another indicator that them young Cambodian women have been pushed further underground. So if we think about the most marginalized, most vulnerable groups, they're invisible, you know? So... A lot of the at-risk young women that Bantisere serves are from all over Asia, um, majority Southeast Asian, and then um, Asian American, and then some Pan-Asian, and then some young black women and young Latina women. Um, so we will work with anyone. We wouldn't turn anyone away, but the focus is always on Southeast Asian women and girls, and that is reflected in the curriculum mm-hmm. that we use. It's reflected in... The, the paintings on the door, it's reflected in the newsletter, it's reflected in the dishes that we cook through the source program. Um, 
and it's a beautiful anchor actually um if we think about um what what does it mean to have a women's citadel mm. i mean that doesn't really exist anywhere in the world um it's a, it's a place that's sacred just for females and not just the living woman but the the spirit as well the goddesses mm. and it's really about remembering um who you are and your power uh and what you're capable of so um we serve um southeast asian women and girls um and we do that through um prevention education i mentioned the curriculum um and some of the intergenerational cooking programs and it's also done through um this word empowerment that again we we hear this a lot empowerment at bantisare would be really knowing thyself and working on curriculum that empowers young women offering them offering them ad- advocacy or just emotional support spending time um working on programs so that you know what your body is called we we've just done a lot of um workshops on destigmatizing the pelvic exam um talking about STIs looking at the vulva and being able to name it medically using medically accurate terms not just slang um and then there's case management so the case management would be advocacy um being able to guide and navigate a young woman uh, through the criminal justice system knowing how violent that is knowing how incredibly racist that is and knowing how misogynist that is um so sometimes the two overlap sometimes they don't um but yeah the majority of of the victims and survivors and then the at risk um youth um get to do a, a variety of different things at Bantisre that sounds amazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think what i've always admired about your work coming I mean, is that like you just come up with a shit ton of ideas you know what i mean and they're like so diverse and they like tackle justice and uplifting young women from such different corners so like you got feminist first fridays which if you want to talk about that or you got like the um, palestinian rights training or you also have like the pelvic exams type stuff then you have like the new goddesses summer program running the zines like so many different (laughs) like there (laughs) are so many different ways that hamida has creatively and like humbly uplifted the mission of Bantisre into like expanding into so much more of what it can be has that always just been kind of like an intrinsic desire within you to do that or like what motivated you to really create those different initiatives and programs um just the desire to work with lots of other people Mm. you know just to work with the community to tap into people's special powers Mm -hmm. you know to make someone feel really good about um coming and spending like the whole summer um and allowing people to experiment you know when we met each other um i didn't really know um what it is you wanted to do but um it sounded cool <laughs> so it's like okay sold uh, we are the ones gonna keep my eye on you <laughs> and let you do your thing and, uh-huh. and and you know it's um it takes the whole community to be able to protect the youth Mm. guide them help them evolve uh, and then we transform as well you know um so i think my motivation is just really like having a really good time having fun Mm. um testing out new ideas experimenting um and and transforming and and seeing people really like just just get a thrill and a buzz off of of seeing their projects come together or or being realized so for me it's just really fun to be able to pick up an idea i think you have to have a certain element of creativity um, and confidence to do it Mm -hmm. um so maybe now at this point at bantisere i'm able to do that maybe earlier on there was a lot more sort of you know devastation Mm -hmm. and experiments that went wrong (laughs) um but part of the process (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah, I'm, ju- I'm just yeah. honestly motivated by seeing people heal mm-hmm. uh, and feel really coming to themselves and feel strong mm-hmm. um, no matter what age. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I think at the spot, um, at Pantisre and at the spot where we're based, seeing adults, young people, mm-hmm. teens mm-hmm. and children mm-hmm. come together and feel 
good about themselves because they completed something or tried something new it's, it's really that's my motivation I find that energy really attractive and and um, uplifting mm-hmm. how has being a woman of color uh, impacted the work that you've done obviously you're serving mainly other women of color but I'm just wondering um, what's that like for you what's that what that's been like for you um I think being able to work with your community, um, see your reflection, see younger sisters um, needing help, needing guidance, um, just needing you to have their back is, um, I think that's really life. I think, again, being able to serve um, the community and it's not a coincidence that I'm working again with um, young women of color um, I think as I've gotten older, um, I really believe that I would be betraying um, my younger self if I was to go off and, and not work with young women of color. Mm. I really want to be able to look back. Um, Bernie and I have talked about this before, um, whereby um, you help those the way that you were helped. You know, you, you give back the way that it was given to you. It's It just feels very natural like that's the order of things um and I work with young men as well it's just not my job it's something that I do in my own personal time Mm. um I work with young men boys um and 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 work with them on prevention education and really talk about what does it mean to be a man you know what does it mean to be um a young man that's um hurt and sometimes destroyed by patriarchy Mm. um that's just not my my paid job. <laughs> so we we have a certain amount of energy in life, um, and we're all lucky around this table. We're we're heading towards our goals, um, and we're making decisions and choices. And I suppose if I have if I have to go somewhere um, between nine and five for my job, let it be something that I'm really good at. Let it be something that makes a change. And whilst we have an unbelievably disproportionate amount of violence against women and girls. That's where I'm going to put my energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and in this particular capacity, you know, prevention education is exhausting. It's very rewarding, but it's it's also very particular way of working with um, survivors and victims of of sexual exploitation or sexual harassment. Um, I suppose I'm just really lucky. Yeah. to have found this um this this particular role mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I want to acknowledge that like you had said that this work can be exhausting and so are there any like certain like grounding practices you have in place or anyone really has in place because we're also in medical school and that's its own thing <laughs> 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 but like grounding practices reminders of like this is why i'm doing it like this is why i'm here yeah, um, there's a lot of um, reflection practice mm. that um, is offered by the CSEC, Commercial Sexual Exploitation of Children um, Task Force or groups. Um, I'm really, really lucky uh, and, and really happy to, to meet um, women uh, who were survivors of the sex trade who are now offering training and a lot of it's rooted in reflective practice. I'm so grateful to the likes of Nola Brantley, mm-hmm. um, who spends time um, asking you, who are you? What are you about? How do you anchor to your purpose? Again, you know, not not just using this word self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, ha- it's a hashtag, you know, it's mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be. It sh- it's gotta be like something real. It has to be time and space in your day. Mm-hmm. where you can say, I'm going to go and walk the lake. Mm. I'm going to go and turn the lights off and, and just be quiet. Or I'm going to look at a mandala and, and, and you know, escape into a, another universe through this mm-hmm. portal. You know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, anchoring to your purpose and knowing this is for me or this is not for me and I need to leave. Mm-hmm. is um, I mean, how dope is that to be able to have that kind of reflection yeah you know so yeah 
being able to weave that into mm-hmm. the day, not mm-hmm. after, not at the end of the day, mm-hmm. not at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Self-care has to happen in your day. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really give a lot of thanks to, to incredible women like Nola Brantley, mm. um, who really offers us space and, mm. and looks in our eyes and says, who are you? Mm what's happened to you why are you here mm-hmm. should you be here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't know if i've shared my reflection practices with you sis but every single week i have for the past three years i've done this like reflection where i put my highs and my lows and people i'm appreciative of and lessons i learned in the week and then i label it power moves forward um, but then i also highly recommend to all listeners and me and Nicole have gone to several conversations about this, but like everyone needs a document of like their life vision, but also their values in life. Like if someone mm-hmm. asks you what are your top three values, like these things should be your guiding light and they should, like you're saying every single move that you're making, whether it's daily, whether it's a big career move, like you should be able to go back to these values and be like, this is me. And anything that's not these values, like cut. Mm-hmm. Because, there, because there are so many things that try to pull your attention, mm-hmm. try to pull your energy. And if you don't know who you are at the core, then how are you going to be doing the work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and maybe um, it's something that we could be a little bit more intentional around at Pantisere with the yeah. young women. Maybe it's something sure. that we could look at mm-hmm. over the summer. Right. Just them. Um, We're like plotting on this podcast. <laughs> do always plotting. Yeah. Always plotting. Oh, you're such a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It is really important. It's so important. Yeah. Um, I came across a quote recently. Um, you made me think of it mm-hmm. by Thich Nhat Hanh. And it's something that I've been really trying to offer our young women as a way of, A, thinking about values and a moral compass, and then B, being really aware that that's okay to change as well mm-hmm. as you get older, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the quote was, Thich Nhat Hanh says, um, when we read something new or we hear something new, we do one of two things. One, we say, oh yeah, that aligns with my way of thinking. I accept it, it's correct. Or I don't believe that and you reject it. And he says, in both cases, we lose Mm-hmm. so just to stay open and, mm-hmm. and be okay with changing and mm-hmm. be okay with saying mm-hmm. that doesn't serve me anymore yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I can see why um, and, and I'm going to move towards thinking more like this like that's powerful mm-hmm. and I think it's directly linked to kind of cutting off the ego mm-hmm. like holding on tight to what it is you think yeah. you believe what you're about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know including identity mm-hmm. um, as you know, Thich Nhat Hanh would say you don't really have one. Mm-hmm. So um, being okay with letting that go as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you for talking about your reflective practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds really powerful to do something every week. Yeah, I can go back two years and mm. be like, oh, wow, this person was wow. in my life. Mm. This <laughs> happened. No more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I want to quote El Boogie right now. I remember Lauren Hill saying, what doesn't grow dies. Um, when I was really young and I, I just remember thinking, oh, Lauren, <laughs> blow my mind right now. What doesn't All grow dies. All always, Dang. always. Oh yeah. El Boogie and Thich Nhat Hanh. I mean, you can't go wrong. There we <laughs> go. Good combo. That's a workshop. More vision. More vision. Right now. Plotting. Okay. okay. Let me know. Right. Four dollar bagels. So it seems like a lot of the work that you do really is like creating connections and allowing for the space for that to happen. Um, Like this interconnectedness between community and like the sauce program, for instance, it's like this interconnectedness between generations and sharing of knowledge and like even just creating the space, which I think allows for even for more creativity to come from everyone Mm -hmm. that's participating in that. And so I think my experience so far has been that um, the way that we're trained to participate in these spaces is really just like, what do we offer? What can we do here as like physicians and this and that? Um, But how do you think we can uplift the work that you do while contributing to this interconnectedness and really becoming 
part of what you're building. Everything you do is so intentional. Um, so what, yeah, what are the things we can do? Um, Banti Surai was born out of the clinics. Um, so, you know, if I was to think about being part of a community health center, um, how diverse and, and, and holistic a community health center is, right? Rooted in the community, run by the community, serve in the community, the board's made up of the community, the doctors are from the community, um, and they're always thinking about the community. So the community health center has a mission and the mission is to provide programs like Banti Surai so that we can serve the children of the staff um, or the friends of the children of the staff. So Banti Surai being part of a community health center is so natural. Advocacy um, f- by a doctor, from a doctor is so natural. And it's, it, it, it's really rooted in being intentional, um, which is difficult if you've got 15 minutes and you're on the clock. Mm. Um, so I suppose that, you know, the problems are really rooted in, 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 in the institution. Um, but if you want to be the kind of doctor or dentist that has time to be able to look into the eyes of someone or look at the way they're dressed, um, that's really the screening, right? So, so if you think about a screening protocol that you might have um, in your clinic room, or some training that you've had in how to identify flags around human trafficking or sex trafficking. Um, that's one thing, but the screening is really coming from you taking mm. time to really look at that person in your mm. chair um, and, and screen them, screen them for their energy, screen them for the way they look at you or don't look at you, mm. um, screen them to see if they're smiling, if they seem content and full on and nourished. Um, so yeah, it just comes back to not compartmentalizing yourself as a human being um, and your career, um, which is difficult. That's a challenge when you are a busy doctor or a busy nurse. Or We're not a- busy. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're not busy. Hey, we're not busy. Look at that. Stop glorifying if you're busy. you're not a busy doctor, mm. then you have time Ooh. to screen for sex trafficking, signs oh. of exploitation signs of happiness okay we just figured it out we wow. figured it out <laughs> wow this is theory in the practice y'all. yes love it love it um okay. so yeah banti today program of community health center asian health services responding to sociological problems uh, which is connected to health, of course, you know, sexual mm-hmm. violence, domestic mm-hmm. violence, these are all health issues, mm-hmm. costing the government billions of dollars in time off sick, in, 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 in trauma, you know, in people showing up for work and making mistakes, you know. Um, I, think, uh, I think all of these issues um, that affect young people or, or, or survivors and victims of, of uh, abuse and exploitation will come round one way or another. You know, our dentists um, are going through um, training in human trafficking and we'll have a screening protocol. And people might ask, what? why would a dentist be trained in that? Well, if you have an exploited young woman in your chair, you might see signs through her health. We, we all know that dental health, um, can can you can identify things through that you can assess and identify and then take action you know if you're being punched in the mouth regularly there'll be a problem with your teeth if you're malnourished there'll be a problem with your teeth um so all of our clinicians and providers will be trained in human trafficking because at any point you might see an exploited young person um so training screening protocols but also like genuine intentional care for the person in your chair uh, and not being too busy um, can really bridge the gap between um, being able to identify and take action and, and completely missing out on picking up on, on, a, on an abused person in your chair for 15 minutes. Um, so I think Asian Health Services has been able to prove that that's totally possible. Um, it's just getting everyone else on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just wondering how many physicians or any nurse practitioners, any kind of clinician, how often they take the time 
to do that type of screening. And if they've been trained in that screening, um, it seems like Banti Sere does a great job for, like teaching people. But for people who don't work in community health centers, I'm just wondering where they have where they get that training because it is so critical. And there's mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm hundreds of thousands of people who are being missed mm-hmm. um, just because they don't have the resources. What what do you recommend for those providers just to educate themselves or like look for places where they can get the training? Yeah, yeah, it's happening. You know, there's been a really dynamic response um, to human and sex trafficking in Alameda County and Banti Surrey and Asian Health Services um, and other um bodies that provide that kind of training are being utilized. Um, Kaiser, excuse me, um, Alpha Bates, um, the Children's Hospital have really um, been very um, direct in asking for training. Um, I think it, you know, it's good. I'm happy to hear it that. is. <laughs> it's positive. No Bay Area. Yeah. Yeah. It's positive. You know, we, we do offer that training and we're proactive about it as well mm. in, um, in being able to um, find outreach and then find groups um, that would be really useful uh, in utilizing the protocol um, and I think the response um, or the reaction has been really positive too so we do training wherever we can yeah um, I'm just thinking in terms of like as medical students I know where they give us these different skills to talk to people who are dealing with um, alcoholism or maybe people who um I don't know, just different ways of like, oh, this is how you talk to your patients or this is how you look for this. And like, this would be mm-hmm. really great to know, um, like, these are the signs of potential like human trafficking or sex trafficking. This would be great to implement at a mm-hmm. medical school level so that way we're already taking that into consideration before mm-hmm. we're seeing um, patients full time. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious to know what we can maybe do for medical yeah. students mm-hmm. to have it more into our curriculum. So, it, you know, so that way we're never too busy and it's just natural. I feel like, I feel like you three <laughs> are doing plotting. that. <laughs> I think you three are always plotting. Um, honestly, I think it's you three, and then I think it's other sort of very radical um, students, wherever they might be. I, I know that our friend Shrey is doing it in, at the University of Arizona. Shout out Shrey. Sh- right, shout out to Shrey. Shrey is, you know, working on lots of programs, working with men, working with male. Um, student doctors um, really in a very radical way getting them to really understand um, the nature of of patriarchy and how it how it hurts men and how it hurts women and then how that shows up Um, so he's running um, extracurriculum uh, enrichment programs at his university you're doing your thing here with the freedom school and then the freedom clinic and you've got this podcast I mean this is where it starts right this is grassroots um, this is consciousness raising. This is education. So, I mean, it has to start somewhere. Plotting. Mm-hmm. Visionaries. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as a last question, Hamido, what is, uh, what is a piece of advice you have to anyone who hopes to really just like get involved in justice work, uplift the work of community, the communities that need it the most? volunteering is always a good place to start mm-hmm. i still volunteer mm-hmm. and i learned that from erica badu mm. multi-millionaire she still volunteers once a week mm. um volunteering is great offering your skills um learning new skills meeting new communities making new friends um and then just instead of thinking about it just taking action mm-hmm. just go somewhere and, and and ask if they need help mm-hmm. um and to do that with, um, you know, with focus and to do it with integrity and, and to be very um, aware of what you're doing. So, you know, um, I think it's good that men reach out to young men and boys and offer, you know, to be good role models and, and, and offer them new ways of being evolved men um, with no toxic masculinity and, and being kind and loving uh, as the women that come to Bantisre do the same thing with young women. You know, 
look in the mirror. What do you look like? Maybe you should go and find other people that look like you and go and work with them. Mm -hmm. um, that sounds really crude, but <laughs> I think in America it might work. <laughs> <laughs> Just because there's, you know, so many more people. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, go and work with your community. Serve, mm -hmm. you know, do it with love. Learn, mm -hmm. um, cry, be happy. Um, come mm -hmm. outside of your, your comfort zone be really uncomfortable mm -hmm. and you'll learn lots of stuff and and just get involved and see where the need is right mm -hmm. so instead of being that kind of volunteer who wants to feel good maybe you should just benefit others mm -hmm. and not worry too much about how how good it feels and, mm -hmm. and just be like worthwhile and offer help and energy where it's most needed mm -hmm. and it might not be glamorous mm -hmm. and you might not you know um feel cool or popular but you'll probably make a huge difference and, and and i would really say to to any sentient being really not just people animals need our help too um as do the elderly and and the disabled and there's just so many organizations screaming for volunteers and internships are good um i think you can get your foot in the door um for paid work once you've once you've done a little bit of that um and and just to really think, you know, if, if you can if you can do a job and get paid doing something noble, well you're just benefiting yourself, you know? And I don't mean I don't mean noble in a pretentious way. Um I think being a plumber is really noble. Um but I mean like being able to make an impact uh in a space where it's really needed. Um if you can if you can do that kind of work you're really just benefiting yourself massively and then everything else is a bonus. Mm -hmm. So you have a certain amount of energy. Where do you want to put it? You know, what's your legacy? Who are you helping? Mm -hmm. uh, are you getting up out the mud and running off or are you turning back and saying to the next person, let me help you mm -hmm. out? Because that's how that's how we help community. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm not free until everyone else is free. And, and really, really, again, that hashtag decolonize, like, what does that mean? Like, are we really decolonizing our communities? How are we doing that? Because mm -hmm. for me, it would be about liberation. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not waiting for anyone to give that to me. I I'm gonna liberate my mind so that I can then help others liberate their minds and then we can liberate our society. So, <laughs> Ooh. Bernie, Ooh. where you find these people? Gem after gem <laughs> after gem. We just dropped on us. Four dollar bagels. <laughs> <laughs> Four dollar <pay. laughs> Honestly, I think I think I think the work it has to start with if we're really gonna talk about decolonization, what would really get at the colonizers? It would be us having solidarity, right? Mm -hmm. It would be us no longer no more dividing rule, no fighting over scraps. No zero sum games. Right? None of that. To really decolonize would mean to have solidarity and to liberate the mind so that we're not trapped in consuming and capitalizing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in that mm -hmm. um, for me anyway. So yeah, some sort of noble, if you can, if you can have noble work, you're set, but it'll be hard. It won't be, it won't be easy, but you can have lots of walks around the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about going to Italy <laughs> and then and have really dope invitations to amazing podcasts like this. True liberation. Yeah. Thanks so much, Amida. Thank I appreciate you. you. Thank you.